Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minisode 87 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. As ever, I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart, Friday guy. How are you doing? I'm okay, how are you? <laughs> I'm pretty well, for day stand purposes. We're doing this at a pretty unusual time. 9.30 on a Friday evening. We are, that's why I'm Friday guy. Yeah, with a good reason, I think. Yeah, because I'm away this weekend. Yeah, you're heading away for some uh, well-earned R&R. I am. It's uh, my mother, the Bold Audrey's 60th birthday this weekend. Excellent. So Happy birthday, Audrey. Yeah, so we'll be away celebrating that with her. Excellent. So I'm looking forward to that. Cool. How's your week been? My week has been busy. It's been eventful and fruitful. Okay. And uh, yeah, I find myself here on a Friday with you. And uh, to be honest, it's really nice. It's it, been a long time since we've done this. Uh, I'm not going to sit here for a minute and claim that neither of us have had anything to drink because that would be a lie. It would be a lie. And I will not be made a liar of on this podcast. Absolutely not. No, no, no. Now is no time to start. Yes, absolutely. How are you, my friend? <laughs> I'm good. Have you been watching anything this week? Uh, on, the only thing I really watched this week was, and I think maybe you've seen it, I checked out, and, and I'm sorry. Sorry if I'm butchering this guy's surname, but Billy Sinise's The Dead Center? I have seen The Dead Center. Ah, and yes. I'll tell you a cool thing, actually. Billy Sinise and I believe his partner were at our live show before Fright Fest Glasgow last year. Oh, with really? Paul McAvoy. Yes. Oh, really? Paul brought them along? <laughs> yes. So, so Paul McAvoy turned up at our live show last year with John McAvoy. Yeah, McHale. I remember that. Uh-huh. And But what you might also remember is that my mom, Sheila Bain, was there. I do. Yeah, yeah. I sat so, beside her and I thought I shouted loudly about come. You did. That's right. Sheila Bain was there beforehand and she was mingling as she does yes and uh, i went away and i think i met you and we went downstairs checked a couple of things and then we i came back up and mom introduced me and she was like this person made the dead center oh really yeah well i did not know this at all this is absolutely news to me <laughs> yeah as like while we had been going downstairs and getting ourselves sorted out and getting changed into camp counselor uniforms <laughs> and that kind of thing at my mom had just been hobnobbing with the Filmmakers. crew behind the dead center right wow so um i haven't seen this since I saw it at Fright Fest Glasgow I remember quite liking it but honestly my memory on it is a little bit sparse so tell me a little bit about it and then also your thoughts on it uh, it's about a guy in a hospital who uh, kills himself and then keeps coming back from the dead mm-hmm. that's pretty much it and it goes increasingly dark and there's a supernatural bent to it which I really enjoyed I actually I'm just going to come right out and say it I thought this was really good very much my flavour Okay. I like that it's clearly been made with a lot of love and not a lot of money it's a good combination yeah yeah and do you know it just really worked for me I really liked it and I really like what Arrow Video have done putting out this film they've given it a package on par with anything else they're putting out they haven't skimped or scraped at all and yeah I'm really impressed I'm surprised I haven't seen it before now it's a very cool thing that they are given that kind of depth of package to something that's new in the same way that they do with cult or underseen titles from years ago. Oh, well, they've done it a fair amount recently. They did it with Dave Made a Maze yep. and Mega Time Squad, mm-hmm. and they're doing it with Harpoon this week. Yep, that's right, that's right. I love that, the fact that they're not just kind of mired in these classic culty films there. 
willing to take a step outside and bring in things like Daniel isn't real as well, which they're putting out in a couple of weeks. And they're affording those things the same kind of gravitas and the same kind of packages that they are with these old films. Yeah, sometimes even better because I guess the capability and facility exists for a filmmaker to kind of produce these things while they're working on a project mm-hmm. rather than rely on stuff that's maybe been sat around for 40 years in a vault or in, <laughs> like, on someone's shelf, do you know what I mean? Like, sure. In a lot of these cases, when they put something out, it's a commentary track that you've heard before that's kind of bounced from Laserdisc to one Blu-ray release and then bounced onto another Blu-ray release with another company and then just kept bouncing around. Right? Uh-huh. A key example of that would be the Kurt Russell, John Carpenter one and The Thing, sure. which has been on every copy of The Thing I've owned and I've owned a lot <laughs> for, I don't know, 15 years, maybe more. Now, filmmakers have kind of got the capability to produce more kind of features, featurettes, behind the scenes stuff and it's a worthy package in a film I think that's really interesting and really great. Uh, Shane Carruth, who plays the lead guy in it, thought he was excellent. It's, yeah, yeah, really good. Yeah, and it goes to some pretty dark, disturbing places. It gets pretty fucking gory, and yeah, I would recommend it. Yeah, it's like quite dense, but also there's like a lot of payoff in there. I don't know if it's dense. Tell you what it is, it's an absolute assault on the ears. <laughs> yeah, like, pretty much from the minute it starts, there's people screaming and there's people hooting and hollering, and there's a lot of real kind of urgency in the the kind of opening of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and right away, I was like, fucking hell, I need to turn my telly down because <laughs> I have a, an infant son who is going to be awoken again, yet again, by the sound of screams. I still remember very early on in Nathan's life, you had something on and you were like, we tried to watch this the other night, but we're trying to expose the baby to as few human screams as possible. Yeah, I mean, I don't want him to grow up with screaming normalised. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, That's legitimate. That's fair. Like, where screams have no impact on him. <laughs> so... What about yourself? I just have the one this week. Okay. So I kind of resolved over the last little while to try and get the good of my Shutter subscription. (laughs) Right, okay. Which I don't feel like I have done lately. So I added a bunch of stuff to my watch list. There's so much on there though. Like it's kind of, it gets difficult to know where to start. And ever widening, which we'll get to. But um, this week, I'm not going to lie. It was Sunday morning. I had like an hour and a half to kill. And I was just like, right, okay, I'm going to cycle through this. I'm going to find of the stuff that I've added. I'm going to find something short. Right. Throw on, see, and just I'm just gonna sit down and write it out, see what we're doing. <laughs> so I landed on Sam was here. Sam which Sam was here. Oh, right. <laughs> Sure. Uh, directed by Christophe Derue, who has made a few shorts before. This is his feature debut. Right, okay. It stars Rusty Joyner. Sorry. <laughs> Rusty Joyner. Rusty Joyner. Rusty Joyner, yeah, who has kind of had a long and illustrious acting career as kind of like uh, bit parts and things. But I know him. I know him best from the smoky Netflix thriller My Teacher, My Obsession. <laughs> um, but yeah, he stars here and he plays a kind of door-to-door salesman or this kind of cold-collar salesman guy who is in the middle of the desert and seems to be completely by himself. But everywhere he goes, there are no people, but there is always Exposition FM. Uh-huh. Like, there's always a radio playing in the background that uh, kind of tells him about a killer that's on the loose. And eventually, as he progresses further in and tries to figure things out, it's obvious that the people who live around here have gotten it into their heads from Exposition FM right. that he is the killer. Sure, sure, okay. So he gets hunted for the 75 minutes of this film, effectively, by masked townspeople. Right, okay. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> your face would indicate that you're about to drop bad news upon me. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't a great lover of this. To frame it precisely how I did it, if you were hungover and you have a coffee and a bagel in front of you and you want something that you don't need to necessarily engage with that hard over an a quarter, this could be a shout. But I would say that like literally every time there is an opportunity to punch down narratively, it does it. 
Right. Like, I think that it willfully dodges opportunities to have real nuance in storytelling. <laughs> like, I think that everything that happens in it and every plot beat is laid out in the most obvious way possible. Sure. And there's no real attempt to inject any kind of subtlety to any of those things. So it is a 75-minute story that there is no fat on. And if, you, and if that's what you're after, then go for it. But what I would say is that I think that it's lean and it's willful rejection of nuance. I really resolved to try and... Because I watched this on like Tuesday. And right. I really resolved to try and make time to watch something I would like more than it. But I ran out of time, unfortunately. Ah, uh, nightmare. So that's the tale of your week. Unfortunately so, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, I've only got one thing to say to you, Mitch. Yeah. Not quite the tale of your week. Mitch, what's your shockwaves 100? Hey, there we go. You've done it. It's over. It's done. It's done. 100 films. 100 films. 100 years. <laughs> uh, yeah, I watched the final film, The Shockwaves 100. You Sweet. watched The Exorcist Part 3. Yes, and you can vouch for that personally because I watched it with you. You did watch it with me, yeah. yeah. So, and my infant son. <laughs> and your wife. So a team effort all the way across the board. Absolutely. Um, yeah, thank you for joining me to see me over the finish line. Yeah, yeah you're, you're very welcome. I'd like to say that I've had a ball, but... I haven't always. No, it's pretty arduous. Yeah, there's been moments where I've wanted to claw my own eyes out and then jam them into your eye sockets so my eyes can watch things for you. With good reason, I yeah. would say. Yeah, no, so we watched William Peter Blatty's Exorcist 3. Sure, right? yes, we did. And did you like it? I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah, now you're getting a real affection for Blatty. Yeah, I mean, it would appear so. I mean, between this and the ninth configuration, uh, yeah, I think that everything that he writes and he adapts to the screen is really good and i think everything he directs is really good and i really like the fact that so much of this film was given over to long talky scenes mm -hmm. and i think that like it betrays a lot of confidence in the dialogue yeah absolutely and the dialogue yeah. is great mm -hmm. and that brings to mind or brought to mind the ninth configuration for me sure obviously. sure sure yeah i thought it's great i think it's a really really nice way to end it yeah i think that uh the exorcist 3 the dialogue's great in the writing and it's spectacular in the acting i think there's some phenomenal performances in here yeah absolutely i think george c scott's great as kinderman he's just got this these real sad eyes do you know what i mean like he he's got eyes that look like he really cares mm -hmm. like it's nice seeing jason miller in there as well but for me one of the finest moments the finest performances in the whole film is brad duriff yep he's absolutely phenomenal he has what essentially amounts to an extended monologue although there's some kind of small exchanges within it but it's unbelievable performance it's so good and it's so long yeah 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 but that's fine i mean i, I like that if you're going to have an, a scene of unflinching dialogue make the dialogue good and make the performances strong and this film absolutely does it absolutely i completely agree like i think that any time that somebody is expected to just throw some gravitas behind something the material props it up yeah absolutely and mm. it's like i think that that is where so many things miss the mark you can see these kind of things that are obviously designed to be landmark central performances and landmark central moments moments and they don't happen and they don't work and this was a perfect example of just a great performance being propped up by exceptional ray yeah it's a great great script and a actually great source material the book's really good as well legion it's a really really cool film yeah but the shockwaves 100 is over now it's behind us now what what i will say is i'm gonna give this feature one more week of life oh the shockwaves 101 <laughs> i'm gonna assemble my top 10 oh Okay. For next week, of all the hundred, I'm gonna I'm gonna do in descending order. Yeah, I'm gonna figure it out. I'm gonna think about what I really loved. I'm not gonna talk about what I didn't like because I feel like we've talked about that more than the stuff that I've enjoyed. I'll have my top ten. Lovely wheat from the chaff. Yeah, you have my word. Leaving only the wheat. Yes. Wonderful. 
Excellent. Okay, well, that's that, guys. Uh, also, by the way, please keep any suggestions for... What the hell we're going to do? Yeah, to fill this gap, yeah, we would like to, to hear what you guys would like to hear. We might disregard it all, but uh, moving swiftly on... What have they been saying? Feedback time once again. Yes. And um, an interesting spread this week. Oh, how so? Well, some of it has obviously kind of centered on The Visitor, which was the subject of our first ever scheduled monthly Andy vs. Mitch episodes. Correct, yes. And yeah, a few people getting in touch, as you kind of expected, because a couple of people have been talking about this film for a little while. Mm-hmm. Laura got in touch, Ben on LVE on Twitter, saying, Might have to watch this tonight on YouTube. Franco Nero is space Jesus. Compared to the day job, it'll be a breath of common sense. <laughs> but Leia got in touch, saying, It's nuts, but actually really well put together. Surprised I never saw it back in the day, but maybe Holocaust do and the Manatee to call the thunder. Looking forward to the episode, and yes, I'll buy the Arrow. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm sure Arrow will be incredibly pleased to have your business. Absolutely. Uh, I've got something on the visitor coming mm-hmm. in from James Plum at Mad Science Films saying, I love the idea of Watchfires Mitch watching The Visitor. Be amazing to be a fly in that room. Enjoy. And then a gif of a happy looking Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> You know the one. Yeah, I know the one. Yeah, definitely. Chris Salt, Oblong Pictures on Twitter, getting in touch. Yes. Uh, saying, a classic. One of the many reasons I love it is that Raymond's main motivation for trying to spawn the space antichrist and usher in a new black dawn for mankind seems to be that he wants his <laughs> basketball team to be better than the other basketball teams. Talk about overcompensate. I don't know. Like Some people will do anything to get ahead. I truly believe that. Like, I know I mentioned Donald Trump in the main episode and I don't ever want to give that man any more airtime. But uh, I believe he had some kind of shadowy deal in place to get him where he is. I believe people like Rupert Murdoch had similar deals in place. Mm -hmm. I don't believe you get to where you are in life like these guys have by not striking up some kind of deal with a shadowy backroom cabal. (laughs) (laughs) The Illuminati have their fingers and all of that. I think that holds some more, to be fair. We've just put ourselves directly in the Illuminati's gun sights. If I mysteriously disappear this week, I'll know why. Yeah. (laughs) Um, elsewhere, we have had some chat about the 100% Club. Yeah, yeah, I foolishly speculated on what would make the 100%, when 100% is surely 100%, or well, else it is 40-50%. I 100% did the same thing, mm-hmm. if you'll pardon the... <laughs> yeah, we both had a conversation about what should constitute the 100% Club entry requirements, and uh, we did have some pretty hard pushback. Uh, and yeah, you know what, rightly so. Kim Morrison, Wicked Sister 69 on Twitter, of course, fuck yes, I'm back in the 100% Club for Strong Violent PC. She sent this tweet with a screen grab of her podcast app presenting her with the fact that she had no unplayed episodes. But then she sent that minutes before a new episode was released. So hopefully she listened to that. Or else she's already fucked her. Well, yeah, who knows? But she did say, I agree with Magic Mercer, right, who got in touch with his idea of the rules. That means every single episode, including finishing up by listening to bonus odes for festivals that have already happened. <laughs> Good segue though, Mitch, because I have Magic Missile's tweet. Okay, so what are his rules? There should be no debate about what constitutes 100%. It's every millisecond of every show you put out there. I put blood, sweat, tears and bust eardrums into being part of the 100% club and I won't have no 99.99%ers thinking they could sneak in the club. Fair play, John. Yes, absolutely. Firm, but fair. I think that we need to install that as the rule. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the people have spoken. <laughs> Two people have spoken. And that's plenty. <laughs> that's consensus among our listeners. <laughs> hey, that'll hold. That'll do. <laughs> they have a controlling stake in the company. 
Um, we have also kind of alluded to the possibility of doing a live show in the coming weeks in Glasgow. Yeah, I mean, this is the this is the worst kept possible secret that we are planning a live show before Fright Fest in Glasgow, the same as we did last year. Yeah, I want to preface this by saying that this is not organised, we have no venue, we have no guests, but it's an idea that we're working on. It's fucking happening if it even has to happen in the street with us shouting like evangelical street preachers. <laughs> yeah but we did allude to this a little bit in social media and this week we did get some replies to that effect uh kevin salted popcorn on twitter getting in touch saying if only there was some kind of small but wonderful live event before fright fest where we could all meet up wouldn't that be lovely i've heard rumors of a blissful couple of hours spent enjoying some banter pre-festival last year <clears throat> yeah a bunch of people went to the pub yeah, one specific pub, McFabs. Yes, on the live show, Darren Gaskell mm-hmm. weighing in saying something on the Thursday that would lead nicely into Synchronic, perhaps. Nah, who can say? Yeah, can nah, say? on that, yeah, Synchronic opening Glasgow Fright Fest this year, Aaron and Moorhead and Justin Benson's new film, mm-hmm. which you've seen. Yep, I've seen a cut of it. It's not the cut that is playing at Fright Fest. Yeah, apparently. it's been re-edited. Do we, yeah. know, do we know anything about this? Uh, no, I just know that they're billing it as UK premiere for the reason that basically it's been recut. So yeah, I can't speak to exactly what was done or how different it is from the cut that I saw. It's like screams. But what I can say is it's Synchronic's good film. Yeah, and uh, we can maybe talk to Aaron and Justin a bit more about that when they come as our guests to the live show. <laughs> Please. Um, also in the live show, Lauren McIntyre nodding goth saying, is it finally time for John McPhail to discuss secret obsession <laughs> that would be the easy option it's gonna happen at some point yeah absolutely it's gonna happen but then as, as too much time passed has focus moved away from secret obsession we're What's doing the... we're doing a secret obsession episode it has to happen our old pal paddy murphy oh okay yeah. got in touch with us at paddy base now paddy is currently in kansas yes. for the not north perhaps the north american premiere i'm not entirely sure of the perished so yes. i hope that goes well paddy but he's saying uh, i may have rented Congo on the Google Play Store for my trip because of Strong Violent PC. I went to the cinema to see this for my 11th birthday. It was 12s. I was such a rebel. Oh my god. And I loved it. Just realised listening to the episode that I haven't revisited it in years. Hashtag ugly apes. <laughs> he did go into a bit more detail and subsequent tweets. Certain parts of it hadn't held up as well as he remembered, and I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean that's... Yeah, I mean, you could watch just about any film that you watched when you were 11 or 12, and then upon revisit, you would probably go, yeah, that's maybe not as good as it, as yeah, it was. It doesn't hang time. together quite like it did in 1998. Yeah, absolutely. That just about does it for me, I think. I've got another thing, and it's again from Kim. I know a couple of weeks ago, you may remember that we did an episode on Mortal Kombat Annihilation. We did indeed, with Mr. Eric Penkoff. Yes, and a, a fine time was had. In the aftermath of that, Tony Constantino had uh, tweeted as saying that 1997 was the year of shit sequels. Which, given the evidence he gave us, reasonable. Yeah, because the three you mentioned were pretty poor. But Kim Morrison reaching out to say 1997 may have given us some shit sequels but it did give us the best sequel ever scream 2 fair not entirely sure i agree that it's the best sequel ever but it's a great sequel though it's pretty good yeah it's really good yeah it's no aliens it's no terminator 2 it's no godfather 2 fair across the board i would say i have no more feedback i have none either (laughs) it is once again time for mitch's pitches mitch's pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment while we're recording andy will send a picture to my phone it will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by he will have photoshopped out the title and the tagline or any other identifying text and will leave only the image my job will be to describe the image to the best of my ability and where possible give it both a title and a synopsis based on the image alone we'll share it on social media so you can join in yourselves so last week we had bloody birthday bloody birthday reappropriated 
by me as Mini Stabby returns the wanton sons and slaughtery daughters of Gregory Potter. <laughs> yes, and also fuck off. <laughs> I deserve that. So we did have a few people getting in touch with some pretty great bitches this week. Okay, who do we have? Uh, so beginning with Instagram and CP Buckley. Sure, yeah, hello. It's Stan B. Peebles' 13th birthday and he's invited his three friends to join him in a special birthday game. The four abduct one of Stan's old babysitters, Haley Hills, and Stan threatens to torture her. All because she once told his parents that he slapped her in the face. His parents, however, seemed to not believe her and fired her. It turns out they knew she was telling the truth, but they were afraid of little Stan after they found him murdering the family dog. Wow. Now Haley is on the chopping block, a Stan's birthday present to himself, and this time he'll do more than slap her. It's the 1983 kitty slasher subgenre defining it's my party and you'll die if I want to. <laughs> oh, I quite like that. Pretty good, I think. Hanny underscore Ray on Twitter, little Timmy and his friends have murder in mind when his mother fails to secure the right birthday party entertainer for his eighth birthday bash. It's 80s killer kid schlockfest, piece of cake to a slice of death. <laughs> Cool. James Plum, Mad Science Films, 1987's Trini Gyno Academy 5, back in training. <laughs> uh, Laura, by an LV. Yep. Mm-hmm. Time traveller Sylvie Crystal gets more than she bargained for in Charlie Band's 2023 surprise comeback, Transfer 0.5, backlit birthday. <laughs> Um, Alexis, Cosmic Regal. Yes. The famous five have started a vocal harmony group at school and entered the high school singing contest. Much to the surprise of their teacher, BJ Koppeldick, the famous five <laughs> win. However, she investigates the win and finds corruption, then falls foul of the famous five with a knock to the head. Wow. She awakes to find herself strapped to a table and the centerpiece to the leader of the famous five at Lonesome Pillock's birthday party. <laughs> How can she escape being his birthday bang? Tune in this Friday for 1986's Famous Five, asking for treble. <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. BJ Cobbledick's pretty good. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's strong. I know you like that. Chris Salt. Yes. Desperate for money to put herself through catering school, young student Marcy Pan <laughs> takes a childbinding job for a rich family while the parents are away for a high-flying business trip. Okay. But Marcy has the secret and her four charges soon start to notice that all is not what it seems with her. Why does she leave crumbs and jammy smears wherever she sits? Why does she smell vaguely of vanilla? And what are the birthday candles sticking out of her boobs all about? A deadly game of cat and mouse ensues as night falls and the kids decide to get to the bottom of the mystery once and for all in half-baked 1989 fiasco, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Cake. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I like that. He could have just put the title, like, he didn't need to do the rest of the synopsis. because are enjoying t- that fair amount, aren't you? Yeah, the, 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 <laughs> the title's amazing. Tony Constantine? Yes, the very same. When teenage private investigator Norval Rogers decides to celebrate his 16th birthday by kidnapping his history teacher, believing she is a spooky ghost, <laughs> Norval's best friend discovers he and his squeaky clean teenage associates have somehow become hooked on highly hallucinogenic drugs are in great danger. Right. Now Norval's talking dog must team up with disgraced janitor Rigsby Schnickelshits <laughs> and uncover the mystery of the mystery gang's mysterious plan and solve the most mysterious mystery in 1993's poorly judged live-action anti-drugs classroom-made misfire, Scooby Dooby Don't. 
<laughs> wow. Okay. And finally. Oh, wow. Okay. Kevin Matthews. Okay. It's 1981. Right. What other time period would have Bonnie Tyler passed off as a teenage babysitter? The kids in her charge decide to spend their time terrifying her, successfully getting her to almost literally die by fright. With her heart beating close to its last, Bonnie needs to convince the kids to help her stay alive. Using a homemade pacemaker, she can... (laughs) Using a homemade pacemaker, she put together with a Casio watch her hairpins and strategically placed masticated wham bars. Right. How long can Bonnie hold out for a hero? Who will have the bright eyes by the time the end credits roll? Find out in this early 80s Cassian oddity, it totally clips on the heart. <laughs> that concludes the listener pitches for this week. So you, as ever, have two jobs. Oh man, this is hard this week. Best character and best pitch. Oh, so best character I'm going to give to BJ Cobbledick. BJ Cobbledick, fair play. Best pitch is a trickier one because there's some really good stuff in there. Um, I really liked the post colon looking for treble. Mm-hmm. I loved the title of Chris Saltz. Yep. Uh, worth it for the title alone. I also really, really liked Tony's title. Scooby Dooby Don't, yeah. I think I'm going to have to give it to Chris. Don't tell mom the babysitter's cake. <laughs> I'm happy with it. I think that's great. (laughs) Yeah, that's really good. So I guess it's my turn. It is your turn. And I'm just going to preface this, Mitch, with one word. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) Okay. And that's not just for you. (laughs) Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, go on. Okay, here it comes. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Okay. Let's see what you see. Do I have to? Okay. (laughs) Um, So this week we have... So the border on the image is all black with a white trim. Yeah. We have what I would say is a kind of a quite voluptuous woman. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, she is facing the camera and uh, we are seeing her kind of shot from the kind of from the waist up and the neck down. Okay, okay. You think that's fair? Uh, I'd go a little higher than waist and a little higher than neck. Yeah, like we can't see her chin, I guess. So I'm going to say from the chin down to the belly button up. Okay, right, fine. Uh, so she's wearing a vest top, a black vest top with a zip down the middle. Uh, uh-huh. She looks like she has kind of like fairish feathered hair, <laughs> but we can't really tell. She's looking off to the left. She has a necklace around her neck, except it's not a necklace, is it? There's other things going on. So a gloved hand is reaching down to unzip her top. And elsewhere, I would say that it looks like the uh, the gloved left hand looks like it's about to strangle her with piano wire. Right, okay. <laughs> so I would say that we have left-facing woman with a wrecked nipple. <laughs> Having her top unzipped by a gloved stranger who is also going to strangle her with piano wire. You're assuming stranger. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume tra- stranger. I don't feel bad about it. Aren't that. most people murdered by someone they know? I mean, statistically, yes, but I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, do you think, do, would you agree that I've covered the key points there? I think you have. I'm struggling to see anything that you haven't really mentioned. What I will say is that the gloves seem to have a string back. Uh, a favourite, as we know, of Alan Partridge. So perhaps this is Alan Partridge. Possibly. <laughs> I, I I probably won't go with that. <laughs> probably. I feel like this is niche enough, but I will need a moment. Sure, you've got it. So it wouldn't surprise me if Alan Partridge was a murderer. Ah, uh, no, classic science. Yeah, he's a man who enjoys a nighttime drive. He lives almost exclusively in a, mo- in a in a hotel. Yeah, in the later years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm very su- suddenly very suspicious of Alan Partridge. 
I mean, now you've said it like that. <laughs> okay, are you ready? Uh, well, I have something. Oh, you don't look confident at all. Yeah, no, I'm pretty confident. Lay it on me. I'm sticking pretty hard with the piano wire strangling thing here. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. It's 1984, and the Miss Teen World Pageant has rolled into Dallas, Texas, with the grand final being held in the city's biggest multi-level shopping emporium. <laughs> However, it's slim pickings when the talent portion of the show rolls around, with all the contestants offering bland, asinine skills, much to the chagrin of head adjudicator Ernest Judge. <laughs> As an aspiring composer in his youth, he's served on the panel for more than 30 years, hoping against hope that he'd be greeted by a virtuoso musician he could throw his support behind. Finally, at the end of his tether, he sets about forcing all of the aspiring beauty queens into deadly games of musical scares (laughs) until he finds his dream pianist in 1982's Schlockfest Chopin Mall. (laughs) Fuck off. Get out. Get out. I've had it with you. Reasonable. I'm not proud of it. Gee, uh, it's not. Okay. <laughs> so what is it? You said 1984. I said, I... oh, no, I said 82. I put the year as 1984, but I picked 82 as the year. Oh, right. So the end film year is 84. Yes, 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 yes. I set it in the very near future. <laughs> 1981. Okay. Oh, okay. One year out. I'll take that. <laughs> not bad at all. And the film is Richard Franklin's Road games. Road games. Yeah, not to be confused with Abner Pastel's road games. You better not. No, 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 not at all. Do we have a synopsis? I don't know, a synopsisizer? You will be delighted, Mitch, mm-hmm. to hear that this week's synopsisizer from IMDb is Claudio Carvalho. Welcome back, my son. <laughs> Was this the first outing for him this year? Oh, no, I don't think so. I think we always pick him when he's an available option. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I've actually just checked and uh, none of our re- other regulars are, are there. There's uh, interlopers whose work doesn't carry the same clout, in my opinion. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. Claudio Cavallo then, on Road Games. While driving alone through the Australian outback with his dingo, the truck driver Patrick Quid becomes aware that a serial killer is attacking women, and he suspects that the driver of a green van is the murderer and is getting rid of the bodies in pieces and plastic bags, burying them in the desert. On his way to Perth with a load of pork meat, he gives a ride to the... (laughs) Okay. He gives a ride to the hitchhiker Pamela Rushworth and tells his theory about the killer to her. When they park at a gas station, they see the van and Pamela decides to break in the car to investigate. Okay. When Pamela disappears, Pat pursues the van while he becomes the prime suspect of the police. Heavens above. Okay. Is this any good? I don't know. Haven't seen it? The only road games I have seen is Arnold Pastels. Yes, same. That concludes Mr. Pitches for this week. (laughs) Gleefully. Um, that image is everywhere if you want to get in touch get pitching do it we love hearing from you yes yeah and this week was an especially strong crop yeah so like get in touch let's keep that streak up yeah absolutely now Mitch yes tell me what should I be watching this week and where should I be watching it? I tell you what, honestly, we have so much stuff this week on the streaming platform. So Netflix first. Yes. Because Netflix has the most stuff. Right, okay, okay. So on Wednesday 29th, we have season one of Omniscient. Okay, what's this? So here we have, in a city where citizens are monitored 24-7, a tech employee must outsmart her surveillance drone in order to investigate a murder. Fuck off. So there's that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Thursday the 30th, we have season one of The Stranger. Okay, what's this? Uh, When a stranger makes a shocking claim about his wife, family man Adam Price becomes entangled in a mystery as he desperately searches for answers. Right, sure. Friday 31st, I don't know if this necessarily fits, but a lot of people are talking about it. Uh So I feel like it's worth a mention, Uncut Gems. 
Oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with his debts mounting and angry collectors closing in, a fast-talking NYC jeweler risks everything in hopes of staying afloat and alive. So people are going crazy for this, and particularly for Adam Sandler in this. Yeah, yeah. An anxiety inducer, I believe. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to checking this out, I must say. Also on Friday, we have a season one of Ragnarok. Right, okay. Netflix laying on thick with uh, the seasons. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in a Norwegian town poisoned by pollution and rattled by melting glaciers, the end times feel all too real. It'll take a legend to battle an old evil. Wow. Um, season two of Diablero. <laughs> For fuck's sake, I've never heard of any of these shows. <laughs> when a young girl goes missing in a big city, a desperate priest joins a demon hunter and his motley crew on an otherworldly mission to find her. Get to fuck. This is, these are all real things. <laughs> Saturday 1st February, we have Hush, Not That Hush. Right, okay. The old Hush. Right. With uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and Jessica Lange in it. Okay. Uh, so newlyweds move to the family thoroughbred horse ranch where the husband's obsessive mother resolves to get rid of her new daughter-in-law. Right. These all sound incredibly trashy, don't they? <laughs> You're positively giddy. You're like stroking your hands together like Mr. Burns. <laughs> on first, on also on the first of February, we have a season one of Creeped Out. Creeped Out. Yep, a masked figure known as the Curious collect tales of dark magic, otherworldly encounters, and twisted technology in this kids anthology series. Right. Okay. Cool. Which doesn't sound pretty cool. So that's your lot for Netflix. Fuck me. On a shutter. Yeah. Uh, Monday twenty seventh, when animals dream. Okay. A teenage Marie lives on a small island with her father and catatonic mother. Virtually friendless and sullen, Marie begins to experience frightening changes in her body that mark her as a dangerous threat. Oh. On Thursday 30th, we've also got episode three of The Deadlands, which is okay, yeah, last week. Okay, yeah, apparently this is great. Yeah, people are going crazy for this. Yeah, that's out there. And also, speaking of things that people are going crazy for. Right. Joe Bigos' Bliss lands on Shudder on Thursday. In the UK? In the UK. Wow, wait, okay. Well, that, that, that's interesting, because it's only a couple of weeks until the Eureka Blue comes out. Yeah, I'm quite surprised with that also, but um, by all accounts, Thursday 30th, we see Bliss coming to the UK. Oh. And elsewhere. So Bliss, in need of creative inspiration, a professionally stagnant and hard-partying LA artist recklessly indulges in a series of drug binges as the narcotics fly out of control, so does her newfound and inexplicably unquenchable craving for blood. This is great, yeah. Gonna be hard to top this for my pick of the week. Well, I'll give it some time, but it is like, uh, it is amazing, and you should all check it out this week. Also, it's only like 80 minutes long. Yeah, it doesn't fuck about at all. Yeah. Amazon Prime, inevitably, we have a new episode of Vikings. Whoop, whoop. Elsewhere, on Friday 31st, just in case you were not yet fed up of us all talking far too much about Ted Bundy this year, we have Ted Bundy falling for a killer. <laughs> a five-part documentary series reframing Ted Bundy's crimes from a female perspective and covering the disturbing and profound ways in which his pathological hatred women collided with the culture wars and feminist movements of the 1970s. Okay. Elsewhere, moving on to Sky Cinema. Right. A couple of interesting things this week, actually. On Monday, we have the cleanse right okay this is the uh, retitled master cleanse formerly the master cleanse which i think i saw on fright fest in 2016 okay uh johnny galecki and anna friel uh in this one um, a heartbroken man attends a spiritual retreat in order to change his life but he discovers the regimen that releases more than toxins yeah this is a blast a really good film yeah excellent really really unusual really really fun really worth your time and also on wednesday 29th we have the soska sisters remake of david cronenberg's rabbit ah which I haven't seen yet. You haven't seen it? I haven't yet. We've no. got a screener. Or we had a screener. You've seen it. I've seen it. I saw I it not. in the screener. Yeah. Your thoughts? Um, It's fine. Okay. Yeah. When you're taking on an impossible task? I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that it's an impossible task. But the result is very much a Soska Sisters film. Sure. Which, yeah, is... which is good. I mean, they, they haven't just tried to carbon copy the Cronenberg film. There's enough nods in there 
while kind of doing their own thing with it that makes it kind of commendable okay i just didn't love it that's fair it's very hard to see past bliss for the pick of the week this week yeah for me i would say uh bliss or the cleanse let's say bliss yeah that makes perfect go sense. forth and check that out in fairness if bliss isn't your thing there's so much stuff out there this week yeah go and check out omniscient <laughs> yeah go check out omniscient <laughs> or series two of diablero <laughs> as ever if you do that Get in touch, let us know what you think. So, turning our attention to this week's show, and we do have a guest this week. Hooray! And he is, amongst other things, the director of the Shutter Selection short film, The Home. Yeah. It's El Gustavo Cooper. Yes, I can't wait for this. Uh, And it's a wild old time in the film front. He has picked a hell of a selection this week. He has. We're going to way back to 2000. Okay. Where were you in 2000? Where was I in 2000? I was 14 years old. Right, okay. So I probably hadn't seen very much of the world. Hadn't really done very much, I wouldn't say. I was lost in giant baggy jeans. <laughs> I may have been as well, actually. <laughs> the film is Ryuya Kitamura's Versus. Versus. Yeah. So um, I believe zombies, heavy metal samurai, Yakuza. Yes, all of that and more. Quite a lot going on. So this week, El Gustavo Cooper, director of The Home, joins us to talk... Yes, indeed. I am looking forward to this one. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. If you want to get in touch and let us know what you think of this and everything else we've been talking about, there are, of course, loads of ways you can do that. You can get in touch on Facebook and Instagram. We're Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC. And you can, of course, email Scenes at gmail.com. Yes, and while you're at it, hop on to strongviolentpod.com for a non-exhaustive list of places that you can listen to us. You can also find links to this tantalizingly close live show. Mm-hmm. And of course, of course, of course, T Public. 35% sale on now, apparently. Yeah, from now until the rapture. I, I don't think, realistically, the, the t shirt designs I've made I can put up. We would probably get a cease and desist. Yeah, but what I will do is I will share the image and make it quite clear that these are not on sale. Yeah. So uh, I think I'll put the image up and just beg forgiveness. <laughs> no harm done. No one, no harm. No one's losing out. No one's out of pocket. Absolutely not. Absolutely no. not. But we would like to know what you think because we did think it was really funny. <laughs> Nothing like laughing at your own jokes. <laughs> <laughs> sweet, sweet stuff. Congratulations. <laughs> We're back on Friday talking versus with Al Gustavo Cooper. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chats. Goodbye. Goodbye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.